0: Hi, Anthems listeners. We've decided to do something a little different this time around. In honour of Transgender Awareness Week, we're bringing you five episodes that capture intimate, one-on-one discussions between pairs of trailblazers, creatives, and activists. Amidst all the noise, it's time to platform the voices and discussions that you should be paying attention to. This conversation was also filmed, so check the episode description if you'd like to watch a lot. Anthems has always been a space for exceptional voices to celebrate and contemplate what it means to be human. And the conversation you're about to hear is no different. Welcome to Anthems Talks. This is Anthems.
1: I wanted to make sustainable work that
2: I enjoy making with my people who understand me, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. There still needs to be a shift in trans performers being seen for roles that aren't trans-specific.
1: I always find the work that means the most to me is for the smallest
2: audiences. There's such liberation and freedom in telling our own stories.
1: I'm not doing, oh, this is bigger, and I want to be on in Hollywood, and I want to be in films. No, I don't want to do that. I actually want to be with me cat. Mm. I want to be with (laughs) me nana. Hi, I'm Felix Mufti, I'm a writer, performer, activist and general chaos causer from Liverpool. I've just been in season 4 of Sex Education and I'm currently working on my first mid-scale theatre production, Big Gay Do Crime.
2: Hello, I'm Micah Onyx-Johnson, I'm an artist, actor, writer and performer from Nottingham. Your, Your word, word of the, of the day, day is, is ownership. ownership. So, we were just talking about how we first met through the Queer House. Yeah. Which feels like a lifetime ago. 2018?
1: 2018, yeah, it was a while. Like, I was signed with the Queer House from when I was, like, literally just turned 18. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know what the Queer House was, it was, like, generally set up as, like, an early careers talent pool of, like, queer artists and turned into, like, the biggest queer agency for um, creatives. In England, um, but sadly, it's not together anymore. But we developed such a strong creative community through it, didn't we?
2: Yeah, I think the queer house like has supported a lot of artists with like their first steps into the industry. They were also like a producing house as well, and produced my play. The queer house has sort of supported my journey up to this point where I'm at now.
1: I feel the same. Like it can be hard when you start in your career to get in the right circles of like. The people who are making your work of people who look like you, people who sound like you, who want to uplift your voices. And that kind of gave everyone such a good starting point of like a creative community because it can be hard as a creative to sustain yourself. And the best way, I think, is to make your own work. And that really gave you the foundations of how to make your own work, which I believe is the only way to really keep going as a creative.
2: It's like, as well, I think, obviously, we're both not from... London either yeah so I think that has its own set of like barriers we both make theatre so I think our experience with the industry is probably like very different for people who maybe just have been auditioning for things and we've obviously been spent a lot of time like making work whilst we're chatting about theatre making and stuff And like, you know, it's something that we both do, but we've both had other jobs that maybe aren't our own projects. And you've obviously just done sex eds. I'm just wondering like how it feels in comparison to like you making your own work.
1: It's weird because when I make my own work, I know why I'm making it. I know what story I want to tell. I know who I want involved. I know what audiences I'm making it for. I know why I'm making it. But then when you're playing a role in someone else's story, it's weird because it's completely different because you're making it for a different reason. Mm -hmm. You're in the room for a different reason. You're in the room to kind of play a role to say someone else's words, especially in something like a TV series that's quite long running. You're not in the room for the same reasons. You're not doing it. Your heart's not in it for the same reasons. But it like means a lot more in different things. Like... When I'm creating work, I know that a lot of the people who come and see it will be queer. A lot of the people who will come and see it will be for personal reasons, will because they wanna go and see a show that they relate to, that they can see themselves in, stuff like that. But when you're filming for something like sex ed or a Netflix show, it's a worldwide platform that even just your presence in it will mean a lot to people. But when, when it's a TV show, you don't really know what that impact is on people, you know, as a feminine, scouse, person of colour, trans fella, like, I I don't know how much that means to people. I can't see the impact. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to comprehend. Yeah. You know, I have people messaging me. I've just come out because I've seen this. Uh-huh. I, I've just, like, seen your character. I finally feel represented. People that I've never seen. People whose circles are completely away from mine. And you don't really have that same thing with theatre. It's a lot more interlinked. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very different. It's crazy to think about. But... For me, my heart is a lot more in the theatre making. Yeah. I like knowing why it is that I'm saying something. Mm -hmm. I like having a story and going, I want to tell that story, but I find it a lot harder to play
2: a role, for example. I mean, it makes sense. It's like there's a real power in sort of you being part of a project that has such a wide platform. You don't know who you're reaching. Maybe there's people that watch the show that don't share your identity at all. We can't always assume how people are going to connect with something. With you making your own work, it's like more you have more autonomy. You're in the driving seat. But I think things like that, that clearly have an impact, a positive impact, it's like it, you don't know like how it's going to change someone's life. I mean, it, it sounds like a really big thing, but I think that's why I think representation is important we know, we know that more needs to be done. It's not just about like putting us (laughs) in TV shows. (laughs) Excuse me. And like giving us commissions and stuff. I think it's everything else behind all of that. But um, I think in the meantime, you know, if it can give somebody who's trans, who's watching you on screen, like a bit of joy and a bit of hope, that's great. And I think also it's like encouraging other trans folks to sort of, be able to lean into maybe wanting to pursue a career in this field.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think what I didn't think about when going into the process was the trans joy that would be emulating in the show. You know, the character I was playing Roman, he's a happy character. You know, his problems in life don't come from him being trans. And you don't see that often when there's a trans character on on a show that big or any tv show really you don't see trans characters whose problems don't come from them being trans mm. and that was something i said going into the process at the start mm. because when we went into the process roman and abby their characters were still very in the early stages of development and we did have a big say in in how they came about and i said i do not want to tell another trans sob story my sadness in real life yeah i may be affected by my transness because of outside impacts and mm. outside oppression. But that does not define me. You know, a lot of my joy comes from being trans. The way I know myself so well, aside from everything that's going on out there, aside from being stuck in the middle of a culture war, but still loving myself and and finding things that make me happy every day about myself. Like, I if we're having this platform, I do not want to be a sad trans character. I didn't realize the impact that that would have on people, like people being watching it and being like, oh, I can be happy and trans. Like my joy as a trans person can be respected and there can be story and value in it, even more than my trauma, which often does get exploited when people are developing trans characters in a more global platform.
2: the play that I wrote Pink Lemonade it's like, now it's in a different development phase where it's had a, it had a pilot commission a few years ago. And now I'm, I'm in the middle of like doing a whole rewrite on it. So, you know, several years have passed, I've changed. And I'm sort of like, what do I want to say now with this sort of project that started in like 2017? And I think finding the joy is important. As an artist, I still find it difficult to just focus on joy because I feel like there's all this noise yeah. that constantly has an effect on like accessing <laughs> the joy, yeah. but I, I want to be able to make the decision for myself if I want to make work that maybe doesn't just centre joy. It's profitable in a way. It's yeah. like people, they enjoy sort of being told how bad they are or like how they can do better making work that does explore joy is an act of like rebellion in itself it's important to find joy it's just about simple things like we were just talking about how you know you're in liverpool and how like i don't live in london anymore but i'm here for work i think there can be something joyous about that and sort of removing yourself from like the sort of like go 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 the
1: grime mindset like yeah. you know it makes my career a lot harder being in liverpool it really does because there's a great creative community but not many people are able to do it full time there's just not the same money and there's not the same opportunities that there is in london but my thought is like but that will never happen if everyone who starts doing well moves to london and and it's hard to kind of try and break the cycle of the london-centric idea of our industry but it is important to me because there's so many more stories up north and in and, and outside of London and, and we have a very different, yeah, mindset. There's a lot more community, even though in London there's a lot more people. I feel like in Liverpool, every time I'm booked for something, it's my friends. It's, it, oh, it's you again. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's like, you know, it's the same people that I have dinner with on a Sunday that I'm performing with on a Friday. In London, what I sometimes found is because of the cutthroatness of parts of the industry, it can turn your community into competition. There's a very finite amount of roles. So people adopt the attitudes to turn against each other rather than work together sometimes. But actually what we're developing and realizing more in Liverpool is, The more that you get them roles the more that it opens for other people and don't get me wrong i love the london art scene i think that it's got so much to offer and it's great but there's so much more outside as well that just isn't getting the same platforms and opportunities
2: yeah it's not like a fuck you to london because obviously i I think if i hadn't sort of come here like a few years ago like i wouldn't be doing the things that i'm doing now so i needed to sort of be here because nottingham wasn't offering anything there are other people in other places you know we live in a very like individualistic society where i think the word community it doesn't mean what i think it really should mean i think it's like this crabs in a barrel type mentality where it's like well there isn't a lot of opportunities and you're right and i think one of the other issues is is like as actors with castings and stuff like that if there is a trans role that's when everybody will go up for the same role, right? And I think there still needs to be a shift in trans performers being seen for roles that aren't trans-specific.
1: I agree, I agree. Like, we only get seen for our transness a lot of the time. And like, oh, we've made this trans role. Like, aren't we progressive? We're only cast and trans actors, only trans, you know what I mean? And it's like, but why aren't you opening your casting pools when you've got any of your characters that you're writing as male, why aren't you thinking about casting a trans man? Why is your inclusivity only like reaching as far as still having that prefix before the character? Do you know what I mean? I find that really frustrating when like, I literally read a role and think, yeah, I could do that well, but I'd only be seen for the trans character. And it's like another barrier. But yeah, that's why I've been like focusing on making my own work. And I have a theatre company Transcend mm. and we only have queer people in our plays and behind the scenes as well. Mm. And like people are confused about like the logistics or or whatever of it. And and it and it can be difficult like being in Liverpool and having to find like a queer lighting designer, queer stage manager, queer because like there's not much representation and recognition for that it's getting more in the actors and everything but like the behind the scenes queer opportunities are still really lacking so when we go into our productions that is like what's really important for us but it does create like a better safe space for everyone and what we really want to do is create them opportunities for the early career stage managers for the early careers lighting designers for the early career sound designers who don't often get them opportunities
2: i think making your own work is like one of the best things that you can do i you know when i was 18 i tried to get into drama schools didn't get in kind of put pause on the whole like artist thing for a while and then had the idea for my play and then i started developing that i think that's like one of the best things that you can do as a creative and also it's like knowing that the thing might take years there's no rush but i think there's such liberation and freedom in telling our own stories and we should be getting money and we should be able to put on big productions The shift is happening in a very small way but it is i i do think it is shifting it is slow (laughs) (laughs) slow. (laughs) yeah i don't know i think you know there's something really amazing about being able to just like collaborate with people that you trust and that also are aligned with you. And I think even then, you know, making work is not an easy thing. It's a combination of different energies and people, regardless of like if you're trans or queer. Yeah. But I think there is something really like beautiful in having ownership.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And even if you get like 10 people that come and see the show, that's amazing. I I, I was thinking back to like when I first started sharing tiny snippets of Pink Lemonade like way back when. And I did some sharings in like community centers with like audiences that <laughs> were not were not queer and we're not <laughs> trans. And it was like really overwhelming and like vulnerable, but they received the work. The more successful you become, whatever that means, because I think success can mean so many things. But I guess the more money you make or the bigger the platform becomes it's easy to sort of forget that time yeah yeah and, and i think it's really important especially if you're a maker like yeah we have to make money like we do we have to live like you know but i think there's something really humbling remembering like where you started
1: i think like because of the financial strain in our industry a lot of the value of where can often be based upon how much money you're making, the impact, how many tickets you're selling, how many people it reaches. But I always find the work that means the most to me is for the smallest audiences. Because when you start having to fill seats, meet funding requirements, when you have to start doing that, you start having to add capitalist constraints onto it you have to start thinking oh well this needs to make this much money so i need to do this oh well this needs to fit this criteria so i need to do this rather than like oh i'm doing this because i want to tell this story Mm. i'm doing this because i never see anyone speak about this and i want to speak about this oh i had this idea for this thing and i want to share it with people it stops being about that it starts being like oh, well, this theatre wants it and this theatre, they only commission things if X, Y, and Z. As you say, we have to make money. You know, this is our living. This is what we do full time. But when the focus starts being on how do we make money, it moves it away a lot from Mm. why you start making it in the first place. I've been writing this play, Be Gay, Do Crime, for years. And, you know, I'm very um, strong-minded about having the people who have been on it from the start in every stage of the production, like my director, my producer, my cast, I'm very strong about that. And it's created so many barriers in me Mm -hmm. getting it to that next mid-scale level. The theaters, they want big names added to it they want they want this and and now you know now that like i'm the big name or whatever i have more interest but i'm like yeah but where were you then you know and it's like and they still want like a big director and they want this x y and z and i'm like well if you don't want my work for why i'm making it then i'm not giving you it i'm not in a rush I haven't forgot why I've made it and and I can't move that away because that's my that's my baby you know what I mean like like and it creates so so many barriers when when you have your core values about your work Mm. and when you're protective but for me it's it's really important but it does put me in such predicaments I wish that like a lot more theaters especially the big ones remembered why we put on theater And I know that there is a big strain. Theatres aren't selling as many tickets, so-and-so, but I think they could actually sell tickets if they went back to the core values of theatre, because a lot of theatre-goers go and see shows now, and they think, well, they've put that on as a money grab. And then that steers people away from coming back. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's gonna take a lot of like integrity and, and core values to break that cycle. But I do think it's happening. And with theatres like the Bush and everyone who care about the 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 work they're making and why and why they're making it, I think that that is helping. But yeah, I think there is a really huge problem in in the theatre industry right now with capitalism.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this is like an ongoing conversation about fear at the minute i feel like there's no right or wrong way it's like we have to earn money and i think it's trying to find a balance of like saying no to this thing or yes to this thing we we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves like what does it say about our character what does it you know what will people think of me but nothing is that simple it's like not that nuanced it's not that binary do you know what i mean it's it's like just constantly having a conversation with yourself about it. It's like the best thing that you can do. And I think with it is they just need to be really open to conversation. They would maybe a, a, call it a risk, but I, I think what we've seen is they constantly make work that isn't received very well. And they think it is going to be like the thing that is going to bring in money and stuff. But I think there needs to be more balance.
1: I agree like for every money grab think about like commission on local artists and it's like it's frustrating for me to see regional theatres who are bringing shows in because they've done well elsewhere and not focusing on the region stories you know I think we we have that problem a lot sometimes in Liverpool where it's like oh this show's done really well in London so let's bring it to Liverpool and it's like maybe this show could do really well in Liverpool and then London will want it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like if you commission local artists, then the people who are in that region will relate to that story and they will wanna come and see it. Mm. And it's like frustrating for me that that has kind of been completely missed in booking and then they're like oh we haven't sold many tickets to this show that has been doing really well in other places and it's like yeah it's been doing well in other places but what will do well here you know I've just come off the back of that big job and everyone's like what's next what's next what are you doing next what are you doing next what are you
2: doing next like I'm, I'm I'm having, like, a, like I'm having a nap I'm
1: going, going to bed yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sleep yeah, I'm yeah, going for to real. sleep yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bed <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean yeah. I'm like I'm yeah. like I'm like, yeah. I'm so tired yeah. and, and then it's like and people are always like what Next, and they expect it to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, actually, no, like now I've just done that big job. I'm scaling back, I'm coming back to my people, I'm working with my people again. And now I've got a bigger platform to show people what we're doing in the community. I'm not getting, I'm not doing, oh, this is bigger and I want to be on in Hollywood and I want to be in films. No, I don't want to do that. I actually want to be with my cat. I want to be with me, mm. be with <laughs> nan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. be... I don't want to be in LA or whatever. Mm. Like, people go, oh, my God, where are you from? I'm from Liverpool, oh, and yeah. that's where I want to be yeah. right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I never wanted that journey. I wanted to make sustainable work that I enjoy making with my people who understand me, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. And, yeah, like, filming for Netflix was fun, but it didn't align with what I want to do long term. It, it was... It was great, but it was the opposite. I was, you know, I was like, I was away from home for ages with like, everyone was lovely and I really got on with everyone. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't with my people telling my stories. I was like doing
2: yeah. doing the opposite. So Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, I imagine that can kind of feel like a quite a lonely experience. Like what you just said about you just did this big job and people are like, so what are you doing next? And you're like, I'm trying to have a bath and have a nap. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like, a real testament to you as a person to do a job like that and then go, but I'm going back to Liverpool and this is what I'm doing because I imagine for a lot of people that are in our industry that have like, you know, had multiple big jobs, it can really take a toll on people. It really can. And I think it's it's really easy to sort of lose maybe like a sense of self or or, or what you're doing, you know. Mm -hmm. I actually think those big jobs can be really great in a lot of ways, you know, profile and and finances and all those kind of things but because you're a maker and maybe also it's about where you come from there's a different sort of mentality and it can be really hard to sort of like hold on to that Mm. as you sort of become more successful I, I don't think we should also measure success on like the platform I think sometimes I chat to other artists about like what they want to do next. And I think that's amazing to sort of be like, this is the plans and goals I have for myself. But I think as well, it's like acknowledging that you're already doing the thing. You already are an artist. You're already doing it. You have, if you, tomorrow you decided, oh, I don't want to, I actually don't want to do this anymore. You've already done it. You've already done the thing.
1: with your show with pink lemonade obviously you were working on it so you know taking it to fringe and then taking it to the bush you were working on it so hard so consecutively for for so long and now you've had a bit of time away from it now you're in your rewriting process mm. do you find it easier to kind of reflect on what you're trying to say in it
2: uh, yeah the last time I so the last draft of the, of the previous sort of pilot tv version of it it was yeah it was a few years ago so then coming back to it and then going into a rewrite it's like wow like sort of really recognizing how much i've maybe changed from that moment and knowing that there's still something that i want to say with it but in a different way maybe because i think because the show is very pov and you know it's sort of like based on this version of me i think i've changed I'm reading the previous draft of the pilot. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there anymore. So, what do I want to say with it now? Also, like, you know, transitioning from theater making into screen writing is like a different, it's a different structure and like a different sort of way of writing, I guess. But still wanting to be like bringing the theater in into the screen writing because I I like storytelling that isn't so linear or there is like some it's abstract and you know you can't always tell a story f- just through like dialogue
1: and like in the form of it again i'm having the same kind of thing of like i've always made theater and done that but now i'm like trying screenwriting out and like there's so much more to think about with tv because with theater it's like just thinking about, like, yeah, putting it on and what the show <laughs> yeah. looks like and, and that. But then when with TV, there's so many more elements that you need to think. And, yeah, it is a lot more um, classical in, like, its approach. Like, you kind of, when you're watching a TV show, it's like, okay, now these characters are going to talk. Okay, now this character, like, like you, you see that. But when you want to queer that form and you're kind of experimenting with things, like, the regular tv programmers are like oh no but we don't do that and it's like but you could <laughs> you yeah. don't do that because you haven't before but yeah. you could yeah P- people people want to watch it people want to listen
2: yeah i know that there, you know there's a couple of shows that have come out that sort of are sort of you can see how they've been able to sort of like experiment a little bit more but i think yeah there's there's a lot more barriers and sort of hurdles in tv it's a lot it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole, <laughs> whole thing it's a whole thing um <laughs> we just want to see more we want to see more trans people on screen we want to see more trans people like getting commissions and working behind the scenes and giving the commissions that would be lovely (laughs) it would
1: make everything a lot easier and a lot better yeah like it is it is hard like when I tell my most authentic stories it is like to the smallest audiences a lot of the time but I do feel like it is shifting and there more is like a want for us away from that like cis lens that right now trans stories on bigger platforms are having to be told through
2: they sort of dehumanizes and don't see us as like full human beings as if people who aren't trans can't take something from our experiences and our stories it's like well we've been watching cis people tell stories forever And we still take stuff from stories because we're all human beings. It's
1: true. I I, Like, you know, everyone has a lot more in common than they have difference. But then when there's like a word like trans, which people have talked as so divisive over the years, people don't see like how much they can learn from our experiences. Like me deconstructing gender, like benefits cis people just as much as it benefits trans people. Like it benefits everyone to kind of break down gender roles like trans people are doing to kind of free themselves from the constrictions of like what does being a man look like what does being a woman look like because at the end of the day that doesn't help anyone you know like limitations on your gender it doesn't it doesn't help anyone exactly the more platforms and and chances we get to talk about stuff like that the more that it can impact and people can hear the reality of like free yourself from gender because what has it ever done for you yeah (laughs)
2: yeah
1: this conversations like it's made it's put a lot of things into perspective you know what i mean like sitting down and being like oh what point am i at in my life right now like oh, regardless of all the stuff other stuff that's been going on and capitalist affirmation blah blah oh, blah man. like it makes you remember like this is community like we're yeah we've come back into each other's lives to have this conversation yeah. when we're at like and when we've had like similar journeys and we've both been working like consistently on ourselves and making yeah. work for the last few years but it's not often we get like opportunities to kind of
2: sit No down I and feel like, like, like it, the way that it's aligned I feel like everything has a purpose and a reason Yeah, from our conversation it feels like there's a lot of like similar Feelings around a lot of things. I agree,
1: and I haven't seen many people talking about them either. No,
2: no, no, no. But I think I think it's important. You're on your journey, and so am I. And yeah, yeah. I've, it's been really nice to sit and, and yeah. chat with you, June Wegg. It has. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. been
1: nice. Thank you, and thank you to Anthems as well for having us because yeah, it's nice to get the opportunity to yeah. kind of say what you want to say and like have honest conversations because. A lot of the time, our industry doesn't really want us to have them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: thank you. For
0: resources about the issues discussed and to see video content from all episodes of the Anthem's Talks series, visit the episode description. Anthem's Talks was executive produced by B. Duncan, with production from Talia Augustidis and Lucy Carr, and sound engineered by Ben Williams video production from thunder video and video editing by Eleanor bamba this is a broccoli production